Well, friends, I want to take you back to the year 1848. In 1848, there was this guy, a guy named Hudson Taylor, who was 17 years of age. He was reading a Christian pamphlet in, in London, I think England somewhere. And as he read this Christian pamphlet about Jesus, he was convicted about who Jesus was. He gave his life to God and his life was radically changed. He decided to become a missionary to China and to give the rest of his days to sharing the message of Jesus, this precious message of the gospel, that Christ died for us, that Con spoke about in communion, that he rose from the dead to forgive our sins, to give us life, this, this, this most important message. Hudson Taylor decided to give his life to it. So before he went, he spent three years in preparation. He studied uh, medicine, became a doctor, and he also learnt the, the Chinese language Mandarin so that he was ready so he could serve the people when he went. In 1951, he went to China. Uh, thank you, not 18. I wrote 19 in my notes. Thank you for that. 1851, he went to China, and he started to share his faith. He started a mission organization called the China Inland Mission, or C-I-M. It's believed that he, that he and he, through the organization, brought 800 missionaries to China. 800 missionaries to China. He was there for 51 years. He started 125 schools, and it's believed there was about 18,000 converts through him and through his ministry. Pretty awesome, hey? He died in 1905. But then the work in China continued. People continued to preach the gospel. And it's believed that in 1920, that was the most number of missionaries at one time in China that China's ever had in, 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 the, in the 1920s. Christianity spread. People got saved. People got connected into, in, into church. When the wars hit, the numbers of missionaries reduced. But then in 1949, the, there was a new government in power the People's Republic of China, and they were anti-Christianity, anti-Christian, and they started to suppress Christians, persecute Christians, and in 1953, 1953, all the missionaries were kicked out of China. Get out, you're no longer welcome there. Now, if you were one of those missionaries, I wonder how you'd feel about that. I reckon you would have felt the call of God to go to China. God, do you want me to go? All right, I'll go. That's a huge step, leaving family, friends behind, giving up houses and wealth and great incomes to go and share the message of Jesus in this country that needed Jesus so much. It's believed that in 1953, there was 4 million Christians, 3 million Catholics, 1 million Protestant Christians in China out of a population of 580 million. 580 million people in 1953, of which 4 million were Christians. Percentage is 007.007%. And if you're one of those missionaries and you're kicked out, I reckon you'd be thinking in the words of Pauline Hansen, God, please explain. God, please explain. I, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I don't understand this. You've... You, your will is that the people in China come to know you. That's his will, that everybody comes to salvation. And you've called me, and I've studied, and I've learned Mandarin, and I've given up my life to go and share Jesus, and stuff's happening. There's four million believers. People are getting saved. Churches are being built. These, 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 these Christian missionaries would have been the leaders of the churches. 
They would have had great influence and they're preaching the gospel every week and all this great stuff's happening for the kingdom. I reckon they're thinking, God, God, what's going on? How could this be happening? God, what's going on? How could this be happening? And I wonder if you can relate to those missionaries this morning. You've got to a moment in your life and you're thinking, God, what is going on? How is this happening? Maybe even it was something that God put in your heart. A calling, a vision that, that God put in your heart. Maybe it was God's put a dream in your heart that he wanted you to fulfill. Or maybe I wrote some things down here to remind myself. Maybe it was, um, maybe you believe God has called you to something significant. Or maybe you've read the scriptures and, and, and one of the promises of scripture, you've, you've uh, grabbed a hold of it and you started to run with it in your life. And things started off well. There were some open doors and you started to do the thing that God's put in your heart through his word that he wanted you to do and you've seen some outcomes and some little wins and some God incidences, not coincidence, some God incidences and little miracles and then all of a sudden you hit this wall and it's not going like you expected and you think to yourself, God, what's going on? God, how can this happen? I am... I'm only doing the thing that you want me to do. I'm only fulfilling the dream that you put in my heart. How can I possibly be in this situation right now? When it's, I know it's your will, this thing, but I've hit this blockage and we're now going forward. God, what's going on? How can this happen? And friends, if that's how you feel this morning, I believe I have a word from you, from the Lord, for you today. And it's this. Dot, dot dot, dot, insert your own word, slash, again. The word of the Lord, I believe, is for, for some of us, and I know there's seasons, is dream again. Believe again. Pray again. Give again. Insert your word this morning. Love again. Share again. You know, sometimes God has put a dream in your heart and you've given up. And the word of the Lord for you this morning is, try again. Maybe you've stopped praying for someone or a certain situation. You've stopped. You know it's God's will for that outcome and you've been praying, but you've been disheartened and you stopped praying for that thing. Well, the word of the Lord for you is, pray, pray again. Maybe you've shared your faith in Jesus and the person that you share with isn't interested and you go, well, I'm going to give up. Well, friends, don't give up. The word of the Lord is, share again. Maybe you're holding back love because you've been hurt. The word of the Lord is love again. Maybe you've given up a dream that God put in your heart because it got too hard or you saw too many roadblocks in the way. Friends, the word is dream again. If you've held back finances because you're unsure, maybe it's not working out as you would like, well, the word of the Lord is, friends, give again. If you stop trusting God because this has happened and this has happened and this hasn't worked out and you decided that you can't trust God in that area, the word of the Lord for you this morning is trust him again. Believe him again. Friend, what is the word that you need to insert this morning? What is your word that you need to return to, that you need to resume, that you need to do again? Don't just look at me. Think about it. Come up with your word. What's the thing that God's put in your heart, the promise of the Lord, the, the uh, direction of the Lord that he wants you to do when you've stopped, you've ceased, you've held back because of roadblocks, because of things that got in the way? What is it the thing you need to return to? 
dot, 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 again. Friends, I want to take you to Ezra chapter 5 and 6 this morning. Because I reckon the people of Israel, God's people who have returned from Babylon, may have felt like those missionaries. And may have felt like you're feeling today where that thing that you believe that God called you to, you've hit a massive wall and it seems like there's no way forward. I reckon these people are feeling the same way. I want to look at Ezra 5 and Ezra 6, but we have to go back to the Ezra chapter 4 to get the context. In Ezra chapter 4, this is what we're told. As soon as the copy of the letter, the letter of the king Artaxerxes was read to Rehum and Shumshai, the secretary and their associates, they went immediately to the Jews in Jerusalem and compelled them by force to stop. What's all that about? Let me tell you. The people have come out of Babylon back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. They built the foundations, as uh, Sam Raleigh spoke about. They uh, had, a, had a mighty celebration. They've had persecution that Sam reminded us last week. And, and, and they're starting to build. But then the people at the time didn't like what they were doing. They were taking authority. They were, they were taking the places. They were, they were upset that they were there. So they complained back to the king of the time, back to the governors who reported back to the king that the, that the uh, Jews are building this temple. It was a different king. It wasn't King Cyrus. He most probably died. There's a new king, King Artaxerxes. And they bring the word back to Artaxerxes. And, and, and Artaxerxes says, hey, tell them to stop building. Tell them to stop building. Maybe they were concerned about the authority or they're going to start their own army or whatever. Artaxerxes says, stop building. And here, we're told that the king in his letter said to the governor and to the ruling people in that land to stop the Jews from building even compelled them by force. And as a result, the temple was stopped. Now, it's not like the people were lazy. It's not like they just dropped the dream. It's not like they thought this, was, this is too hard for us. It's not like they ran out of resources. It's not like there's anything other than they were compelled by force to stop. So it makes total sense for them to stop. It makes sense for them to stop. But imagine how they were... How, how they would have felt at that time. How do you think they would have felt that God has put this dream in their heart back in Babylon, that they've traveled 1,500 kilometers to set up a whole new life, that they've started to build this temple, the foundation to build, they started to build the walls, and all of a sudden, boom, it stopped. God, what's going on? God, how can this be happening right now? You've, you've, you've told us to build the temple, but we are being forced to stop. God, what's going on? God, I don't understand. But in the very next verse here, in verse 24, says this. Thus the work of the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill. I love this word in bold. Until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Until. Now that until is a 16-year period from when the building was stopped until we hit the very next verse, which is Ezra chapter 5, verse 1. And this is what it says. Next verse. Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of that person, Ido, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God, of the God of Israel who was over them. The temple stopped. It's been 16 years since they've built. And then God, rises, God raises up some prophets to proclaim his truth to the people. Now, I just want to take 
a, a bit of an aside for a moment to talk about some Old Testament prophets and, and how, how, how that all works. The, uh, the uh, book of Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Kings, Chronicles, all the way through Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther in the Old Testament, they're the history books in the Old Testament, the history. If you look, you, you read left to right, don't you? Genesis through to Esther, they're the history books. And then from then on, you've got Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, all the way through to Malachi. And there, there's poetry, there's um, songs, there's, prop, there's wise sayings, but then there's all these Old Testament prophets. Jeremiah, Isaiah, um, Habakkuk, Nahum, all those guys, including Haggai and Zechariah. And all these writings fit somewhere in the history part of the Bible. So Genesis through Esther, that's the history. And then all these, all these prophets and Psalms and Proverbs, you take that and then you chunk it into the appropriate place in the history to make it make sense. So when you're reading an Old Testament, an, an Old Testament book, particularly the prophets, the major prophets and minor prophets, the Psalms and Proverbs, it's important for you to know where it fits in the history of Israel. And the best way to find out where it fits is Google it. Just Google it. When you're reading an Old Testament book, you get... Before you read one of the Old Testament prophets, just Google it. Where does this fit in the history? Because it need, you need to know that to, hope, to, make it make, to, to help it make sense. I want to take you to Haggai chapter 1 for a moment because it, it just shows you how this perfectly makes sense. Haggai, I've never preached on Haggai. Here it is. In the second year of Darius, the king, King Darius, yeah? We talked about King Darius back in Ezra. In the sixth month or the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to the hand of Haggai the prophet of um, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shelatai, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jezid, the high priest. All those names. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Ezra chapter 5, verse 1. God speaks to Haggai, and this is the message that he wants to speak to the people in um, God's people in Jerusalem at the time. He says this. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And I go, that makes sense. It's not yet time because we'll stop by force. And these people are saying, God is obviously saying, no, it's not, not yet time. But friends, it's been 16 years. When's the right time? And it seems by that sentence and what comes next, God actually wanted them to start earlier. Even though they'll stop by force, he wanted them to rebuild sometime in the last 16 years. Now, we're not told how he said that. We're not told any details, but we can assume God wanted them to build again. There's the word, build again, try again. Then it goes on in verse 3 to say this. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, and this is what God wanted him to tell the people. It's a time for you yourselves to dwell. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house, God's house, his temple in Jerusalem, lies in ruins? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have so much and harvested little. You eat, but you, have, but, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. You're doing all these things, but you're not getting blessed. Guess why that is? Thus, the Lord, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, God's house, that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. You're building your own property, you're building your houses, you're building your crops, but you are leaving my house behind. And this is the Old Testament, yeah? Old Testament, Old Covenant, remember that? But, but the principle is the people 
are choosing to honor themselves and put themselves first rather than God. Verse 10, we're nearly there. Therefore the heavens above, therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I've called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and on their laborers. Last, last, last two verses. Then Zerubbabel, the guy who started building the temple 16 years ago, and we're about to read his name in verse 2 of Ezra chapter 5, the son of that person, and Joshua, the son of that person, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obey the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent them. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people of the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. Between Ezra chapter 5, verse Ezra 5, 1, and Ezra 5, 2, we have Haggai, Haggai chapter 1. That's how it fits in. Is that clear? Ezra chapter 5, verse 2 says this, Then Zerubbabel, son of that person, and Joshua, there, it is, there are the names again, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. Sixteen years later, God uses Haggai and Zechariah to say to the people, Hey, you should have been building. The reason you're not getting blessed is because you haven't looked after my house. You haven't looked, and I think there's a principle for us today. If you want blessing in your life, look after God's church, not this building, but his people. You love his people, you serve his people, God looks after you. True? Love his people, serve his people, he looks after you. It's about honoring him. Imagine how the people would have felt. Ezra 5.2. 16 years of no building. Disheartened, no doubt. What's going on here, God? You told us to come, you told us to build, and then God speaks again. He says, get back building. Now, I reckon that would have brought a lot, a lot of hope to them. We haven't wasted the last 16, 17, 18 years coming to this place. Yes, God, it was you that spoke to us. It wasn't, it wasn't my weak this morning when I sensed the Lord speak to me. It was, it was actually the Lord. God, we know it was you. It would have brought a lot of hope, a lot of hope to the people. But then... There's another hiccup. Again, another hiccup. This is what it says in verse 3. At that time, the governor of Trans-Euphrates, a guy named Tataniah, went to the Jews and said, who authorized you to rebuild this temple and to finish it? Who gave you permission to do it? And they also asked, what are the names of those who are constructing this building? But look at this verse 5, but the eye of their God was watching over the elders of the Jews, and they were not stopped until the report could go to Darius and his written reply be received. There's a new king. We had King Cyrus, we had King Artaxerxes, now we have King Darius. And we have another Artaxerxes later, but we have King Darius now as king. What this governor does, Governor Tataniah writes a letter to the king. And while this letter is being sent, he, um, in the letter he writes, go back through the history of, our, of the kings and find out why these Jews started to build this temple anyway? That's the end of Ezra chapter 5. Why did, they, why did they start it? And so Darius goes back and he finds what King Cyrus, Ezra chapter 1, wrote about and the instruction that God gave the people, sent them back. And, 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 and an amazing thing happens. King Darius gets really excited about this temple and it, and it being rebuilt. And, and, he, and he writes a letter to the governor, Tataniah, and this is what we read. In, verse, in chapter 6 of chapter, chapter, chapter 6, verse 6. Now then, Tataniah, governor of Trans-Euphrates, 
and that person, and you, and you other officials of that province, stay away, stay away from there. Stay away from the people in Jerusalem. Do not interfere with the work on his temple of God. Let the governor of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild this house of God on its site. No more persecution. Leave him alone. It goes on in verse 8. Moreover, I hereby decree that you are to do for these elders of the Jews in the construction. This is what you're to do for the, for the elders of the house of the Jews in the construction. Their expenses, Marcelo, you're going to love this. Their expenses are to be, what does it say? Fully paid out of the royal treasury. Well, King Darius says, I'm going to pay for it. From the revenues of the trans-Euphrates so, that the work will, so the work will not stop again. Verse 9. Whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, male lambs, or burnt offerings to the house, to the God of heaven, and wheat, salt, wine, olive oil, as requested by the priests in Jerusalem, must be given them daily without fail. All their sacrifices? Darius says, give it to them without fail, so that they may offer sacrifices pleasing to the Lord of God, the Lord God of heaven, and pray for the well-being of the king and his sons. He sees his benefit. 11 and 12. Furthermore, I decree, <laughs> I decree that if anyone defies this edict, ready for this? Anyone who goes against this idea that the temple is going to be built and it's going to be completed and we're going to pay for it and all the sacrifices happen. If anyone goes against it, a beam is to be pulled from their house and they are to be impaled on it. And from this crime, the house is to be made a pile of rubble. May God who caused his name to dwell there overthrow any king or people who lifts a hand to change this decree or destroy this temple in Jerusalem. Wow. Wow. Guess what happens? The temple gets built. They have Passover, end of, end of, edge of chapter 7, 6. Amazing. Amazing. What did you say, Grant? I don't know. It doesn't tell us. Grant said, did anyone get impaled? We don't know. Bible doesn't say. This, this uh, building was completed. This temple was completed. And amazing, amazing story. So in summary, God spoke to his people about building a temple. They were obedient to that. But then they hit this roadblock in the journey. And I reckon they're thinking, God, what's going on? You called me to this. It stopped. Please explain, God. Please explain this to us. 16 years later, God speaks and his temple is completed. See, in that, God didn't want the people to give up. He wanted them to believe, continue to believe and believe again. He wanted them to try again. He wanted them to build again. He wanted them to go again. And you might be in that place this morning where you have had a dream that God put there. You've read the scriptures. You've seen the promises of scripture in your life. And you're going, God, I'm going to pursue your promises in my life. I'm going to go after it. God's put a direction in your life. that His will for you is clear and you know it. And, and, and you went after it. But then, but then something happened. It started out great. There were doors open. There were God incidents. There were little miracles. There was God's provision. It was all green lights. But then... Something happened, and you're like, God, 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 what's going on? God, what's going on? I'm just going to check my slides. God, what's going on here? I don't understand. 
The word of the Lord to you this morning is, insert your word again. If you stop praying for that person, I encourage you to, to pray again. If you stop loving someone because you've been hurt, the word of the Lord for you this morning is, love again. If you stop sharing your faith because you've had so many rejections, the word of the Lord for you again is share again. What is the word for you this morning? What is the, th- what is the thing that God wants you to return to? To try again, to trust again, to believe again, to step out again, to give again. Two stories to finish. The first is this. I started this morning by telling you about what happened in China. Do you want to hear the end of the story? Well, not the end of the story, because God's not finished. Jesus has not come back yet. Let me tell you where we're at today. Well, in 1953, as I said, there was 4 million Christians, 0.007% of the population. 4 million out of 580 million. In 1953, when those missionaries were kicked out, I reckon those missionaries are going, God, please explain. God, I don't understand. God, I don't get it. But God wanted them to continue to believe. He wanted them to trust him again, to believe him again, to rely on him again, because God's will is for all of China to be saved. God's will is for all of Australia to be saved. God doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There's two verses that says that in the scriptures, about 1 Peter and 1 Timothy, they're there. God's will that everyone gets saved, and when we don't see it, it doesn't mean we stop believing it. We believe it again, we trust again, we pray again, we go again. And then in 1953, when those missionaries were kicked out, they would have had all those negative things, but God wanted them to believe again. And over the next 20 years, when those missionaries would have thought, oh my goodness, Christianity is in trouble in China. This could be the end of Christianity in China. With the persecution and the impression of the people, let me tell you what happened in the next 20 years. There was 4 million in 1953. By 1973, there was 8 million Christians in China. The number of Christians doubled. And then in 1980, it exploded. Not country exploded. The number of Christians exploded in China. People, and and, and it wasn't missionaries going in. It was Chinese people rising up and sharing their faith and building churches and planting churches. And today, they say there's 1.4 billion people in China. The best estimates, there are 240 million people. Christians in China. 240 million. That's the population of, is that America? What's America? 300 million. Whatever. What's 10 times Australia's population? Christians. You know what percentage that is? 17%. In 1953, it was 0.007. Yeah? They reckon in 2019, we're at 17% of the population in China. Friends, God's not finished yet. Just because you hit a roadblock like those missionaries did back in 1953 doesn't mean God's finished yet. Doesn't mean that dream's not going to come to pass. Doesn't mean his will's not going to keep going. If God put it there, if it's his promise, it's there. It's for us. Pursue that. Now, I know there's seasons, and there's seasons to wait. And there's seasons where you're stopped by force, like the people in Ezra stopped by force. So this word is not true for every single person today, because it might be a time for you to wait. It is a time to wait a bit longer, maybe. But for some of us this morning, the time is now, and it is to step out again, to believe again, to try again. Because God's not finished yet. One last story to finish. At the beginning of the year, we gave our Vision Sunday courageous cards. Remember those courageous cards? And we said, once you do your courageous card, pin it on the board. We sort of forgot that a little bit. If you do your courageous card, pin it on the board so we can celebrate those things. 
And does anyone remember what I wrote on my courageous card? It was a few months ago. I was going to invite my whole street to Alpha. That was my, my, on my courageous card. So we did Alpha in term one, and I'm praying, God, I need opportunities to invite them. I want, I, I want them to hear the message of Jesus. And then we got to, at the end of Alpha, end of term one, I then started to invite them. I went to, I wrote it down, eight houses in my street. Now there's about 12. Um, I haven't got relationship with four. So I went, I'm, I'm going to stick with the ones I have a relationship with. So I went to eight families. And when I say relationship, they're your neighbors. They hire and buy. You take their bins in. They come to my house once a year to sing. To, to, for a, we have a, Christ, a Christmas thing in my house for the last three years to build a relationship. So they're not heaps close. They're not asking about Christianity. And, and, in, and, and, and in hindsight, maybe they weren't the best ones to ask because they weren't seeking. Now, Cass got a group, and, and her group's seeking. They like want stuff, and Cass said, well, come to Alpha. Is that right? Yeah. My group, they're not asking anything. I'm saying to them, come to Alpha. And so I uh, go to each, each family, and I say, hey, um, we as a church do this thing. It's called Alpha. And, and um, in a few weeks, I'm going to have dinner at my house. I don't know what I said to them, because I said it eight times Lots of different ways. But I love, I love to come to my house for dinner. Then we're going to watch this movie. It goes to 20 minutes. It's called Alpha. And it's really about who is Jesus? What's Christianity about? It's about exploring faith. You I don't have to believe it. It's just to start some questions. And we talk about it for a bit and we'll be done by 8 o'clock. Would you be interested? And out of the 8, 7 said, yeah, that, 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 that sounds good. We'll come to that. One didn't. And that's fine. And then I'm going, okay, I haven't got a date yet. I need a date. Something and let's go about four or five weeks out. So I got a date and then I went back to the, all the houses again. Hey, we're going to start on this date. And then a couple of later, a couple of weeks later, I gave them little invitations. We're going to start on this date. And then a couple of days out, hey, we're going to start on Thursday night. Love you to come two, two weeks ago. And I had like three, th- three of the people say, we, we, I can't come on the night. But then a, a, a number of others said, yeah, but we're good. And I'm like praying like I've never prayed before. Like, come on, God, do, do your thing, do your thing. And Thursday, two weeks ago, it's the first night of Alpha. And like, how many people do I cook dinner for? Because I said they're coming, but I don't know what people like. So I cooked three kilos of spaghetti bolognese and did the pasta and big pot, two pots. And we're ready to go. We had like, how many, eight garlic breads or something, crazy amount. And at 6.30, we started. And at 6.30, um, two doors down came. An Egyptian couple, a lady who is a Christian, and her husband, he says he is. That's for the Lord to know. And he came, and then um, I was blessed to have Harvey with us and Voltaire with us. And it was awesome. Um, and that was it. And Michelle and I. And I was bummed. Like Michelle was like, Nathan, snap out of it. I was bummed. She said it nicely. Yeah, she, that's what I needed. That was good. What she did was good. Don't, that was good. Nathan, snap. I, need, I don't need, when I'm, when I'm not doing well... I don't need this. Oh, there, there, Nathan. I need Nathan, cut it out. That's what I need, and that works for me. And that's, that's, that's what I need. Anyone else like that? No, just me. Okay. <laughs> and I was bummed, and I was fully bummed. God, what's going on? How did this happen? <laughs> I prayed, I set it up, and this is another pressure for me. I want the church to do this. And if I'm not doing it well, how can I expect you guys to do it? Fair? I've got to model it. This sucks. This is not what the plan was, God. 
All right, now do I quit or do I keep going? The dream's there, dead. This sucked, sucked. I was really bummed, like really bummed. You hear that? I wanted to get that across. Thank you, Jackie. And then I had to make a decision. And I had to make a decision. Am I going to stay bummed and quit? Or am I going to believe again? Am I going to ask again? Am I going to try again? Yeah? And I did. We went again. So I went to every house again this week. Hey, you didn't make it. That's okay. It's on for the next eight weeks. Because <laughs> I, I, I said to them, on the, on the, um, I said, it, it goes for eight. Come to one. Check it out. If you like it, keep coming. If you don't, that's okay too. Come to one. And I said, that's fine. I said, hey, it's on every eight, the next eight weeks. Come again. And they went, oh, yeah, missed that. Yeah, we'll come again. And then, yeah, we'll come again. And we'll come again. Yeah, yeah, we'll come. And then we get to last Thursday night. And two pulled out. <laughs> and a couple didn't come. But then one lady came next door who has a Catholic background. And I don't know where she is with the Lord. And I'm like, Awesome. That's good. I went again. And the Egyptian family came. And then a uh, lady came that's on the edge of our church. She came as well because I invited her. And I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep asking for the next eight weeks. I'm going to keep annoying them, stalking them, (laughs) inviting them nicely. And if they say no, you know what? That's not on me. Because my job is to do what? Invite. My job is to set up a, a, a home where it's nice food, where it's nice couches, where, the, where they can hear the sound. I, I can do all my things. Like I can do those things hopefully really well and invite them nicely. But if they come, that's not on me. That's, that's his thing. And if they're going to come, I need to believe him to do that in their heart so they're going to get there. So I'm going to believe again. I'm going to ask again. I'm going to try again. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going until we finish the alpha. And then once we finish it once, we'll wait a bit of time. And then, I'll, then if they haven't come, I'll invite them all again. Because it's, it's God's will, friends, for people in my street to come to know Jesus. And I'm going to keep going. I'm going to believe again. So for you this morning, insert your word. Insert your word. And this is going to be like really powerful, eh? For some of us, this is really shaking up. Because some of it, the dream has died and you're hurt and you're you're really struggling with this. For others, obviously, that was a nice message. I learned some stuff about Ezra, so what? But but if some of you guys here today, this is is what? This this this, This is the word of the Lord to you. And so what I want us to do in this moment is to pray. And maybe you need to say, God, I'm sorry that I'm not doing that thing you wanted me to do. I'm sorry that I've quit. I'm sorry that I've given up. Maybe that needs to be your first prayer. And the second part of your prayer may be, God, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do that thing again. So if you're here this morning, I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm, going to ask you to, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. What I'm going to ask you to do is to stand where you're at. 
if this message is for you and you know that you need to return to something, you've got, to, you've got something to insert again, I'm just going to ask you to stand. And the reason we stand, it's, it's not to make me feel better as a preacher, although it is encouraging when people respond, no doubt about it. But it's about you saying, you know what, God? Yeah, this, this is for me today. And when we make physical movement to heart decisions, things change, things shift. So right now, if this is you today, insert your word again. If this is for you, I want you to stand where you are and we're going to pray for you. Go for it.